bottom line. Another solo show. And listen, when I show up here in a t-shirt that says fearless, then you just need to assume that I'm in war mode. Because there's no time to even focus on dressing in any way that's not just ready for a fight. Because that's where I'm at. Ready for a fight. I'm looking for it at the gas station. Spiritual, I mean. Spiritual fight. Because I am am 100% certain that we are missing the mark. We're missing it as a nation. We're missing it as the church for sure. There is no doubt in my mind. And I know there's pockets. I understand. And I can talk to my friends. Michael Miller, the head pastor at Upper Room. Michael's not missing it. Michael Koulianos down in Orlando, Florida with Jesus Image. He's not missing it. Chris Seedman in Dallas. These guys are not missing it. I get it. I, I understand that maybe your pastor is not missing it. But let's dive into this whole cultural phenomenon that we have of living in the state of neutral living as Christians predominantly, but definitely as Americans, of wanting to be comfortable. We are absolutely serving the God of comfort. And no, I'm not going to talk about drive through McDonald's and the cliches. I'm talking about serving the God of comfort, which is not a true God. It's not God, but the God of comfort that we've manufactured in this culture which means I have to be comfortable. I'm striving in life to be comfortable. The job's supposed to make me comfortable. Can we just get our kids to an age where they're not as challenging and they're comfortable? Can we potty train them so we can get comfortable? Can I have a friendship circle that never challenges me on anything because we need to be comfortable? Scripture, not Yaku, says, be hot or cold. Interesting scripture that God himself would say, be cold. I'm kind of okay with that. And we can get into Paul. Saul becomes Paul. We can get into all that. But there's a reason. But if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out. I mean, it is a fear of God hour that has to return to the United States. And I'm telling you, enemy number one is not the left. It's not the minions. Because they're all minions. They're all serving another master that's giving them instruction. And their instruction they're getting is... Rape kids, sexually manipulate children, don't care about life, burn buildings down, loot, steal. Hey, they're following the master that says he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But they're the minions. And we're focusing on the worker bees. We're focusing on the minions. We're spending so much time talking about whoever you don't like on the left in in reporting. Whether it's Joe Biden or Jen Psaki or Rachel Maddow or whoever on the left in CNN. We spent so much time focusing on people way down the totem pole. Way down. And I'm not being derogatory to their role, but they don't make a single decision. I know how a newsroom works. They don't write the story. They don't get to decide what they They are literally puppets. And we're spending all our energy talking about people who don't make decisions. We're abdicating the responsibility to understand that it is a battle between two individuals, God himself and Satan. And from there on, as a hierarchical order, it trickles down. Now, where you fall in that, whether you're a a parent, a CEO, a pastor, a mother, a janitor, somewhere in there, instruction waterfalls down. Which camp are you in? And you'd say, well, that's an easy 
Super easy conversation. I'm not with Satan. Well, there's this third camp that thinks they are autonomous called the atheist. Fastest growing religion, and it is a religion. And if you're watching and you're an atheist and you go, we're not a religion, no, you are. Because you have boundaries and principles. You've got certain ways how you, you, you set structure. That's what a religion is because here's a newsflash for you. God didn't make religion. God's not about religion. He's about relationship. So it is a religion. It's the fastest growing religion. But it's a religion that says you are in fact God. Because you're in charge because there's no God. You killed God. Atheists killed God. Every God. They killed, they, they killed the Muslim God. They killed the, the Scientology God, the God of Kabbalah. There's no God. So you are God. You're in charge. Good luck when cancer comes into your family because you're in charge. I don't know who you pray to. I don't know where you go. Where do you go? And we're moving as a culture into that direction. There's a reason it's the fastest growing group, if you don't want to call it a religion. Because it's comfortably numb. It's comfortable. It's more comfortable to not be challenged. It's more comfortable to not have a, a doctrine, a guideline to live life by. It's more comfortable to say there's no right and wrong. It's way more comfortable to say, uh, yeah, you should talk to sex, uh, talk to three-year-olds about sex. Yeah, you should have five-year-olds engage in sexual conversations with an adult teacher that could literally be a substitute, a stra complete stranger. It's more comfortable because the alternative is super challenging. It's a really difficult conversation today as a parent if you have a five-year-old to go, when do we talk to our son about what? And how are we going to do it? It's going to take a husband and a wife, parents, go through really tough conversation, debate, disagreement. You're going to dive into your own history. Well, my parents did this. This is my belief system. And so what are you seeing today? People are not wanting to have that conversation because it's difficult. It's not comfortable. We complain when we drive 20 miles in this country because it's not comfortable. Praise God, I was raised in Africa. And I praise God, honestly, I mean it, that I had the opportunity to grow up with a single parent. Not that that's the ideal, it is not. It creates monstrous challenge in a child's life. Divorce destroys a child's life. I don't care how well you think you and your spouse executed or navigated your divorce. Your children pay. They pay. They pay in ways you can't measure. And you come, if you come from a divorced home, you know what I'm talking about. The, the kids pay way more than the parents. But we're comfortable. And that's why the divorce rate is 55% in the church. That's why the church says, hey, uh, certain drugs should be legalized. That's why the church doesn't frown upon legalizing prostitution. That's why the church is nowhere to be found. Nowhere on the fight against child sexual exploitation. Don't want to talk about it. The church is nowhere to be found in a, on, on the absolute avalanche that's hitting our nation with pornography. Men in the church and porn. Because it's really uncomfortable to have these conversations. It's more uncomfortable to fix them. I was in a golf course yesterday. 
with an amazing guy who speaks openly about his trials. He's a Christian, he's a believer, has an amazing company called True Labs. And he looks at me right before I tee off, and I love golf because when I play golf, it's not about getting away from anybody, the kids, the wife. I get into nature and I pray. And I believe firmly that men should hit stuff. I just believe it. God made it. My son is two years old. He hits everything. Nobody taught him to hit. He just hits stuff. He took me the other day and he said, hey, dad, look at the door. And there's notches in the door that he whacked the door with something, some pot or pan or something. Men needs to physically exert themselves. So instead of hitting your wives, go hit a golf ball. Go do something. Go lift weights. Go do something. Wives, let your husband go and do something that's physically exhausting. You know, buy him an axe and stack wood in the back and say, go chop wood, do something. And you're going to have a guy that's going to get rid of some of the negative energy. But right before I hit this golf ball, he says, hey, Yaku, how do you stop doing something? And I'm pausing. And now I know it's a loaded question. But the the second he asked me the question, I had the answer. So now I'm thinking, okay, he's a dear friend. Do I just be myself as you should be and just go for the jugular? And I contemplated for about a half a second, and then I just gave him the straight answer. He said, well, how do you stop something? And before I gave him the answer, I said, what do you mean? He's like, anything, abuse, addiction. How do you stop something, truly? And I looked at him and I said, um, Brandon, you just stop. And I know you're going to frown upon this. I know you're going to go, no, 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 no. Yaku, come on. I know there's a time when we have to have trauma-informed therapy to rebuild a life that's been destroyed sexually. But I'm telling you today, even that life, how do you stop something? You stop. You stop today. You stop speaking death. You stop. You take accountability because you can't stop it unless you're the one pushing the brake pedal. Which means you got to go sit at the steering wheel. You've got to take accountability. You've got to take charge of the situation and stop. Now, you can't do it without God. It's going to be really tough to stop addiction without God. And it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt when you stop. It's probably going to hurt more than anything's ever hurt in your life. Emotionally, physically, mentally, to stop an addiction, it hurts. But nobody can hit stop for you. No, it's more comfortable to learn to live with it. It's more comfortable to get drugged up. It's more comfortable to classify it as a disorder or a disease. Because now I've got an out. I've got an excuse. Oh, I can't, I can't stop this. Oh, well, you know, we can't help my son. My, my son doesn't have, not my son, but I hear people say, my son doesn't have any man, manners. He doesn't, he doesn't appreciate women because they classified him as ADD. And he's really, that's an excuse. It's a cop-out. No, you sit that boy down and you use the word stop. And he gets accountability. And you teach it into him. So now... I'm going to ask Becca to pull something up as I'm talking. Give you an example. This is an example, and this is not, this conversation is not even about antidepressants, but I want to use it as an example in our nation. How we don't stop certain things. 
Rather, we learn to live with it. And then you live with it for about a minute. You get comfortable with it. And as you get comfortable with it, you kind of change your perspective of it and you learn to like it. And as you learn to like it, well, then, heck, then you might as well love it. And if you love it, surely then you'll endorse it. May that be how we arrived at a place where there's a conversation whether child porn is okay or not in our country. 50% says yes, 50% says no. How did we get there? We got there because the one using porn was not willing to stop it. Learn to live with it. Learn to like it. Change perspective. Learn to love it. And then he or she will defend it. Let's look at children. By the way, we just did a quick dive into this. And and I want to go deeper in this later. But it's reported, my understanding is that we have increased with 40% of prescribing antidepressants to 12 and under in our country. In our nation. And we know that we're roughly 45 or so million kids under the age of 12. 45 million. There's about 62 million people in South Africa, population, the country I came from. So we have 45 million children, 12 and under, that is, would probably rank in the top 50 countries in the world for population. That's the amount of youth we have. And we have increased the prescription of antidepressants. Right? Not just Ritalin, but antidepressants. Stuff that actually do the following. Once you're on an antidepressant, here's the warning signs. For if on an antidepressant, maybe it's not the best thing for you. Let's read it. Uh, If someone talks of suicide or dying. Suicide attempts. Self-injury, which is self-harm, cutting, burning, which is out of control in teenagers today. As celebrated, actually. Cutting is celebrated now on, on numerous Netflix shows. Like it's a, it's a coping mechanism. Because the kids will say, all the cutters, and the cutters are, I want you to be set free and healed. But cutters will tell you, I cut to feel. What did I say? Five minutes ago, comfortably numb. Our society is numb. They don't feel. They say they feel. No, they feel links, emotions. But they don't know right and wrong when they feel. It's just like what's comfortable and what's not comfortable. Uh, New or worsening anxiety or panic attacks. Now, the headline says... What warning signs should you watch for when your child is taking an antidepressant? So for the child who's on an antidepressant, who now behaves in a manner where his anxiety is worsening or he's got panic attacks. According to this study, it says maybe that child shouldn't be on antidepressants. Well, hold up a minute. The doctor put the child on antidepressants Because he had anxiety. 
So the very mechanism with, by which they judge to put a child on antidepressants, talk of suicide, self-injury, agitation, increased sadness or worsening depression symptoms, impulsiveness. Oh, really? Oh, that's right. When a kid's impulsive, drug him up. How about rather stimulating that child because he may be an ultra-creative? Praise God they didn't put me on antidepressants because I'm pretty dang impulsive. So we're talking about the reason for putting the child on an antidepressant is also the warning signs for getting them off. Isn't that ironic, though? I think it's so indicative. This says so much about our culture. The antidepressant, because we're just picking it here as an example, is not the solution because the problem doesn't go away. Why would they warn of self-injury and suicide attempts if the antidepressant that was given to a child because he or she was suicidal worked. No, it doesn't. Okay, so then what works? That's the right question. And why? Why is this child depressed? Not what will fix it. Why is this child not feeling good? May it be because... The child's been sexually abused? Oh, that's right, because we know now, in 2021, teen suicide increased 1,600%. 1,600%. Do you know, of the suicide notes that were left behind, and not many leave suicide notes, that are children, 17 and under, of the suicide notes that were left behind, you know that only over 80% of those suicide notes mentioned sexual abuse as a reason for suicide. But oh, it was a really good idea to lock them in their houses for a year and a half, probably with the pedophile. No, we are numb to the real solution. We want to be comfortable. We want our child to pop a pill. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, and someone may do this, if some pharmaceutical wing nut comes up and says, I got a pill where a wife can send her husband to CVS and he drinks it and he'll never argue again, they'll line their husbands up. They'll line them up. Because we're looking for the pill. We're looking for the quick solution. Because what's the alternative? Really hard work. Self-analysis, self-awareness, accountability, and pain. It is painful to grow. Nature does that. You ask any boy between the age of 11 and 15, he hurts, he's clumsy, his growth plates are shifting. It's painful. My son at the moment saying, my teeth hurt because he's cutting new teeth. It's painful to grow. It is impossible to grow without pain. And I'm not saying this pain is always emotional or physical, but there's going to be pain involved. I'll ask someone, how was your day? Oh, it was a painful day. Why? It was a struggle. Yes. That's what it takes to grow. You may or may not know the story about the man that sends his son out into the field and says, 
Go push that rock. Sun goes out in the field, tries to push a rock. It's a massive boulder. Comes back, goes, I can't push it. Next day, dad says, go push harder. This goes on for a solid year, every single day. At times, son's pounding the rock, hands bleeding, yelling, screaming. Comes back to his dad a year in and goes, that rock can't move. The dad goes, I know. I never intended for you to move the rock, but look at yourself in the mirror. Look at the strength you've built pushing against the rock. It wasn't about the rock. It was about you, son. It was about you reaching your end, realizing I can't move this rock and doing it again. It was about you feeling pain, emotional pain, fatigue, stress. Oh, stress is this negative word. It's just, oh, stress is terrible. Without stress, without completely without stress, you can't walk. You know what happens to an astronaut 60 days in space at the International Space Station? Just 60 days. They come back. They struggle walking. Do you know that 90 days in, they start losing 20% of their bone mass in the International Space Station? Because the body is telling the astronaut, you're carrying too much bone density and mass. There's no stress here. What the astronaut doesn't realize until he gets back into reality is, I'm busy dying up here. I'm losing 20% bone mass every six months. My organs are shrinking. My muscles are waning away. Stop trying to live your life with what we call no stress. Gravity is stress. It stresses our body. We build new bone every single day because of stress. Now, I'm not talking about stress that's in your mind. That's a physical stressor. It's gravity on earth. Life has stressors, challenges. And if we live life just to be comfortable, we will literally wane away as the church like the astronaut's bone is waning away in space. And that's what you're seeing today. You're seeing the pastor that's willing to lay the gauntlet down and say, our men cannot be addicted to pornography in this church. You're seeing those guys wane away because it's a really difficult problem to tackle. The rate of marriage is going down because it's just easier to not marry but live together. Because, hey, there's a permanent ripcord and you're out of here. Oh, let's make this really quickly real for you and for me. Yesterday, the state of California saw it fit. Demonically, diabolically saw it fit that a mother should decide after giving birth whether she's comfortable with being a mother or not. And if not, she has the opportunity by law, not God's law, praise God, to kill the child 
if it's uncomfortable up to a week after birth, never mind abort the baby on the delivery table or two days before the due date or at 10 weeks, never mind. It's a human being from conception because it may just not be comfortable to be a mom. So I'll give it a test run. I'll give it a try. I'll I'll do the thing, you know. It's kind of cool. My friends like me and we do a baby shower. It's the thing because it's about me. Because it's all about me and my comfort and what I need in the moment. My numbing agent of the moment, my Starbucks shot, my Instagram likes, my dump this boyfriend because he's challenging, let me get the next guy, the car I drive, hey, the baby. We'll do the thing. And then when I pop the baby out, we'll kind of give it a try. That's what happens to a society that gets comfortable. Yes, Satan is our largest enemy. And he's spiritual. But let me tell you, in the physical, enemy of the state, number one, is not a political party. No, it's the individual American today being comfortable. Am I saying that you shouldn't have comforts in your life? Am I saying you shouldn't have a hot tub where you can go relax or have a, you know, a piece of equipment that can massage a sore muscle or enjoy your favorite food? It's not what I'm talking about. But by the way, you know what comfort food does to you. It kills you slowly. Comfort is not good. Because the second we go into a zone of comfort, we shift the gear shifter. And I wish every American could shift gears. South Africa, you can't get your license driving an automatic. You have to drive a stick to get your license. So everybody can drive stick. And I love it. It's just the car just sounds different. It's just something about something about me putting it in gear, me deciding. It's just something about that, right? It's, it's quite exhilarating, actually. Well, here's what happens. You can still shift a little bit in, a, in an automatic. You shift to neutral when you get comfortable. And it's a matter of time. And you come to a standstill. You come to a stop. Our society, our culture, and you go, Yaku, we're not at a standstill. We are rapidly going in the wrong direction. Because we're comfortable. Because we don't want to tell the 19-year-old young man that had, as the world would say, the worst cards dealt to him. No father. Dad's in jail. um, Abuse. Terrible upbringing. Bad school system. We don't want to tell that 19-year-old boy, hey, you can make it. You can do it. You can be a good guy. You can change the trend. You can steady the tide. You can be accountable. There is right and wrong. We don't want to mentor that guy and point out 
areas where he's destroying his own life, point out areas where he's perpetuating the generational sin. No, we rather just tell him, yeah, you, son, were dealt the victim card. Play it. Oh, and we have gotten really good at teaching people how to play the victim card. Because it's more comfortable. Way more comfortable. Sin is a lot easier than to not sin. A lot. Have you ever heard a Satan say, I am the straight and narrow? No. That is a wide, wide highway. Where nobody's going to say nothing to you. You could go in today's culture. You could do about anything. Question is, how long can you survive there? And we're not talking about eternal survival because you can't survive eternally there. No, oh no. No, there's a rapid hellfire pit that all of us should stay away from. Now, I'm just talking about how long can you just survive here on this planet before you're the one that needs the antidepressants or you're the one that makes the news or you're the one writing the suicide letter. I'm just being real today. What is in your life right this minute that you don't like? That you're responsible for. What do you not like about yourself today? And I'm not asking you to go on social media and confess this. But I need you and me for us to be honest with ourselves and go, I don't like this about myself. And then stop it. Do everything in your power to stop it. Get the help if you have to. Stop it. Well, it's going to take me a couple of months to stop. No, it does not. It takes you 0.0001 milliseconds to make a decision, I'm stopping. If it's with conviction, it'll matter. And you can't stop for somebody else. I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to lose the weight for my husband. Won't last. I'm going to get off porn for my family. Thank you, very noble, won't last. You need to get sick of it. I need to get sick of what I don't like in my life. About myself. And I'm not talking here about negative self-talk of breaking my character down. I'm not good enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not strong enough. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that you know are not right. But you've learned to tolerate because you became numb. And heck, you may even love it. You may even be promoting it. And yes, a good example would be pornography. Another example would be laziness. Another example would be wasting time. Another example would be speaking death over people. Another example would be gossip, complaints, 
Another example would be being not being dependable. Your yes is not your yes, your no not your no. And we all make mistakes. But I want us to get to a place where the corrections are smaller. We must, as an American culture, understand that we have gotten comfortable. This is what it looks like when you're driving a boat. People don't know this, but actually driving a boat on a lake is a very dangerous exercise. There are, boating accidents are horrific when people don't pay attention. So when you're driving a boat, it is all focus, all attention. 360, who's behind me? Who's where? Who's in the water? You focus. The second... You want to not pay attention while driving a boat or a car. You need to do what? Turn the motor off. The danger's still there, but now you're not moving. But what happens when you turn the motor off? You drift. You're no longer steering in the direction where you're supposed to be going. That's what comfortable looks like. We're drifting as a nation. And yes, you go, Yaku, you're beating a dead horse. The horse is not dead. It's not. It's very alive and we're feeding it because we want to be comfortable. So let an example of medicating our children at rates unprecedented only because we want to classify them in some bracket because it's harder work to actually help that child. Let that be an example of where we are as a culture. Let the example of what's happening with abortion in California tell you that we've gotten comfortable. Let the example of half a country rising up against Governor DeSantis when all he's asking for is, can we please protect the kids age three to eight? Hey, can we protect kindergarten to fifth grade? Can we keep them away from porn, please? I actually don't even agree with him. He's being nice. Ron DeSantis is being nice. He's doing it with like white gloves on. He's doing it by asking permission. He's, I'm like 17 and under as a child. It's off limits. I'm not willing to forfeit the 15-year-old, the 17-year-old, the 16-year-old, the 12-year-old in puberty that's being sex trafficked. I'm not willing to forfeit them. Not saying he's forfeiting them, but he's not even asking for that. And society is rising up against him. It is absurd. It is preposterous that it's even a conversation. And the only way, it's because we've gotten comfortable with the notion that, yeah, kids should have sex. No, they shouldn't. It's abuse. It's sick. It's demonic. It's of the evil one. Scripture says, if you so much as mislead one of these little ones, the kids, we are misleading 45 million of them. That, friends, is a generation. We are breeding 
a generation of dysfunctional children because of sex, because of indoctrination, because of the lack of truth, because of fluidity, because of sick adults not wanting to do the hard work. We are breeding a generation that will be more comfortable and more numb than any before if we do not steady the ship. If we do not ask, what do I not like about myself? Where am I contributing to the problem? Not waiting for my friend to point it out or my spouse. We are there. We're in that hour. And it's a warning to me. I'm not barking at you. It's a warning to me. I think I, think I do a lot. I can do more. It's not in my strength. No, it's God doing it. But I got to step up, get off the couch proverbially. Stop being comfortable. I'm in a place now where I don't even want to drive the same way to work. I don't want to eat the same food. I want to go radical with this. Absolutely bonkers radical. Like a Navy SEAL knowing he's going to get deployed. Because we are in a war. Spiritually. I want to grow. In every level of my life. As a father, as a husband, as a friend. As a host, as a son of God, a man of God, I want to be challenged. I want to challenge myself. Because I've come to the realization you just can't grow any other way. And you may be okay with not growing because growing hurts. There's growing and not growing. There's no in-between. Like this, light, God, and darkness, Satan. There's no lukewarm. There's no in-between. And call it whatever they want. There's not. You are for the culture of life. Or you're for the culture of death. That's where the rubber meets the road. That, in fact, is the bottom line. We can take every single conversation in our culture today and balance it between those points and say, where are we on the spectrum? And maybe you're not completely at light, but at least can you point towards it? Maybe you're not completely at, okay, I'm healthy, but can you at least turn and point towards healthy? Stop what is making you point towards unhealthy. Point towards a culture of death. Point towards darkness. Point towards being comfortable. Pointing towards being numb. Can you stop that at least and turn and just start pointing in the other direction? And day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, you'll become less numb, less comfortable, and you will grow. And then you'll learn to like it. Heck, you'll learn to love it. And yes, you will promote it. It's the same. So may we get to that place and may we really see what's happening in culture and not get distracted by the minions, 
barking and can we be a people that is uh, that are solution driven and yes unashamedly you know this the only solutions i find come from this book yeah i've got other books i read that are very informative but truth that i can depend on because if i read this book you know what i do i measure its content to this book when a friend of mine gives me advice and he's a great guy i should measure his advice to this book being the bible when i look at a bill whether we write the bill to protect children as we are in a moment in oklahoma trying to protect kids from child porn online you can pray for us with that i must ask myself the bill i wrote i helped write does it line up with this book because i am not god i'm not i'm not the all-knowing one i'm not the one who has the final say but if there's no doctrine to point back to to go okay well what's healthy what's center well then you get what we have today everything's fluid Johnny is Susie, tomorrow she's Betty, the next day, who knows what. What do you believe? What do you stand for? What do you fight for? Who's important? Who's not? It's all about what's going to make me comfortable today, man. That is pointing towards death. So please, we stop when we stop. That's it. That's harsh, I know. So be it. That's for me. There's certain things I want to stop. They better stop today. Or they won't stop. It's that simple. Thank you for your support always. We love you. I want to remind you that the amazing people at Patriot Mobile um, hold conservative Christian values. There, if you get a cell phone plan, you're going to get great service with a great carrier and they put their money where their mouth is. They actually reinvest into conservative values. Corporations, nonprofits such as ours that fight sex trafficking. Talking about sex trafficking, we cannot do it without you. We cannot. And this whole conversation, I could say, was about fighting sex trafficking. Just like I could say this whole conversation was about saving your marriage. This whole conversation was about having your child healthy. This whole conversation was about gender identity. This whole conversation was about every social issue. Racism. Gender confusion. Doesn't matter. All that is semantics perpetuated by a bunch of minions. Get back to the truth. Check out Patreon Mobile. If you dial 972-PATRIOT, mention the bottom line, you'll get free activation. And then, hey, restore coffee we'll throw it on the screen restorecoffee.com when you drink and it's in this cup when you drink a cup of restore coffee you are literally helping save lives from sex trafficking so get yourself a subscription it's phenomenal coffee from kenya guatemala honduras all around the world the coffee belt roasted in the usa delivered to your door get yourself a subscription save a life by drinking a cup of coffee Make it count. God bless you. Talk to you next time. Thanks.